Welcome to Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington State. This is uh, someone who's familiar to the listening audience of Eastern Washington and especially Endicott, Washington. Oh, yes. Father Pat Kurtz. Father Pat, as you remember, was one of the most beloved members of the Vicar and Bishop's radio show much to the chagrin of Monsignor Lee and Father Connell. There wasn't a lot of competition. No. Um, you asked for the television show, and I remember they saw all of your pictures, and that's why we put the radio show. But Father <laughs> Pat Kirst is the pastor of St. Thomas More, and he is the vicar of priests. Um, I don't think we had a chance just to talk uh, Father Kirst. I know that we had Father Tom Lamana, your classmate from right. class of 81, right. from Gonzaga Prep, along with uh, Father Rich Poole, mm -hmm. who is somewhere. Where is Rich Poole now? So Rich Poole is at Malmstrom Air Base in uh, Great Falls, Montana. Hmm. It's only he was in Kuwait. Well, he tells people a lot of things. It's okay. Well, he's for another. Maybe we can get Rich Poole here uh, when he gets back from uh, the Sudan. But um, <laughs> anyway, Father Pat Curse, welcome. And um, Pastor Thomas Moore, one of the largest parishes in the um, in the diocese of Spokane on the on the north side with a full school. Um, we are out of this shutdown, more or less, but still remnants. But um, from your experience, Pat, as, as a pastor of a large parish, uh, one of many parishes that you've been pastor of, um, how did the shutdown, just kind of looking back now as we pulled out of it, how were your people, how did you respond as a pastor? What were the challenges? What did you say? Maybe it was a uh, just blessing in disguise. So a little bit about that. Well, it is a truism to say all new territory for pastors and for parishioners to how to how to cope with this whole idea of a shutdown of our churches and then gradual reopening and working through all of that but as i get to this point now where as you mentioned we're kind of well down the road in terms of getting back to relative normalcy with again with notable exceptions but all i look back on is, is with gratitude to god for how we coped with all of this and i think the pastors i can't speak for all pastors but uh, those that I'm fairly in close communication with it was the whole thing has just been a kind of a surreal experience. You know, we went 10 weeks without having public masses and, you know, a priest going to the church and not having mass with this community. It's just, uh, it's, it's surreal. You know, what, what is this about? And, and, you know, guys are very creative and try to reach out to their people and, and keep communication open and provide ideas for worshiping at home and, and doing the online stuff, you know, a live stream or a tape mass and so forth and getting out flock notes and, and, and directing people to websites. The challenge with that, we found especially, I, I'm not one who's big into the technology stuff and don't know much about it and not very excited about it, uh, nor is anybody really on our staff. So we were kind of late in the game with this. So how are we going to communicate with people? Well, the easiest way is through the flock notes and directing people to websites, but uh, we didn't have even a third of our people signed up for flock notes. And so got out snail mail right away mm -hmm. and kind of saying, here's where we are, here's what we're looking toward. And this was before we knew this was going to be for the long haul. This, we didn't know how long this thing was going to last. And so kind of encouraging people, get on flock notes, get on flock notes, check the website. Well, that got us up to about half mm -hmm. of our parishioners, which was a big improvement. But still, there's half that we're not communicating with that way. We were sending out regular flock mm -hmm. notes from the beginning. Trying to you know, call us when you need anything, and it. so uh, uh, we still, uh, I still feel there's kind of a, a hole there in terms of parishioners and being in contact with some of them that just 
aren't into the computer thing. They're not on the internet. They, they uh, for whatever reason, have not signed up for Flocknote. We haven't been able to force monitor. We can kind of put people on if we, whether they want it or not, if we have their contact information. Well, we don't have everybody's. So uh, communication has been an issue. Um, but for the most part, uh, I think people have adjusted very well. They've been very patient. Uh, and that's been our mantra, I think, from our parish office is, is stay calm through this. Um, we're, and also our messaging, you know, we're, we're not going rogue. We're going to do what we're told to do and, and figure out the best way to do that. And so that's impacted how we got through the time of not having anything public. And so we were responsive to people's requests for anointings, mm -hmm. um, doing funerals as we were allowed to do them in the cemetery with a handful of people. And then, and then I was doing, I, I was late in the game getting the tape masses because I was much more happier to the cathedral live stream, you just watch their live stream. That's much better production than me putting a live laptop computer on the altar and, and just tape it and then you convert it and send it out as a flock note. And, and uh, those were pretty empty experiences for me and for people. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a trial and error, just doing the best we can. We try some things and as we reopened and what works best to help people come and and feel like they're they're praying, they're worshiping. Um, try and have a sense of joy, even with the you know the ominous blue tape all over, blocking off pews and and things directing where people can walk, so we you know, get them in and get get people's uh, people's names as they're coming in, so we could help with contact tracing if that was ever necessary. Which thanks be to God, it hasn't been necessary mm -hmm. up to this point. And, and uh, so yeah, a lot of just. Hit and miss and do the best we can and well that, that didn't work very well let's try this other and, and can you remember pat what was we talked about um christmas again as, as father christmas said this was all something all new we had never been through this and even in, as the bishop i was looking what did they do in the 1918 pandemic mm -hmm. and um there were masses that were canceled there were uh, there's a picture i think of the of a baseball game or he was a World Series, and the guy was up at bat with a mask. Uh, that was a book, a picture in the book uh, that was written in the mid '70s about the the uh, Spanish uh, the Spanish flu, which of course wasn't really there. So we didn't have a lot. What we did know is what did some of the religious sisters who were had hospital work? What did they do? So much of what it was was all um, the uncharted waters. What do you think? Uh, you know, they, Pat, have you found? What is something that probably we aren't going to go back to, uh, at least in the certainly in the the, the near future? Yeah, in terms of what we do. At, yeah, like mass, mass, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah I, uh, I guess if I have to look at all the things that are kind of restricted, mm -hmm. limited, what would be the last one to come back into the game? Unfortunately, I think it would be sharing the chalice, the precious blood. Precious yeah. blood. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a couple of people ask me about that. Mm -hmm. There's, they're they're kind of ready for it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think our world's there yet, and I don't think you know people's sensitivities to how, and not just the not just COVID nineteen, but any kind of virus or flu. Obviously, we always have the gentle message out if you if forever. If you're sick, don't receive mm -hmm. the from the chalice at mass. But you know, you're kind of on an honor system, and we. We deeply trust one another, but now I think that people would be a little leery about going up and drinking out of that chalice that, and, uh, that people, and now they're, like with COVID-19 especially, you can carry such a thing and have it not even know it. And now you're, and so, and that how easily transmissible some of this stuff can be. And, and so, 
I would guess that's the, you know, we're still not doing the sign of peace, of course, but I don't think that's going to be a forever thing. That's, that's a little more general. I have to been up and celebrated masses and other parishes where I go help out on weekends too. So guys can get away on vacation. And, and I was in a parish where they, they do the sign of peace. They never stop that, but they don't touch each other. Mm -hmm. Even family members just they do the you know, profound, just bow. profound bow to each other. And, yeah. and, and, uh, so, you know, Parishes have made accommodations according to what's the character of their parish and, and what seems to work and try to keep people feeling safe and comfortable and and, and united in community and so uh, but so I, I see the sign of peace. You know, what else do we are we not doing? Well remember there was the um, so I, I celebrated mass in, in uh, South Boston last weekend and um, they I can't remember if they had the the, the missalettes um, and of course, remember that was the thing. You couldn't have uh, uh, right. the, the books, out the books the, outside. Most of the people would touch the thing. Yeah. And so, um, but I think one of the things that for our listening audience is regarding the precious blood that uh, previous to probably the mid '70s, so at least a good ten years after the council, the reception of the precious blood was was introduced into the liturgy. Typically, it was only at uh, Holy Thursday, um, and uh, but our Listening on should know that the, the fullness of Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity is present in the, the Eucharistic bread, which becomes, of course, the body of Christ. Um, for priests, during this time, it's until recently, the intinction. Now, uh, intinction is when the priest uh, takes the consecrated host and places it uh, into the, uh, dips it into the chalice of the wine. That's what priests have been doing when we come celebrate. Um, although now, Father Retriste, who is kind of works with the, uh, the medical field, looking at trends and what are the, the guidelines and what are the restrictions, um, said that essentially people are moving back to con-celebrated masses with priests receiving um, from the chalice. Um, so it may very well, though, be we have to, the next time we have a mass, extinction for For the lady, um, it's difficult and not really preferred that people almost look like they're dipping the host into um, the chalice like people dip a, a, a you know applesauce donut into a cup of coffee mm -hmm. so um on the other yeah dangers with that i think is just people let's just say people are going to dip the host in so far to the precious blood that they're getting their fingers in yes. it or they're pulling it out sure. and then precious blood is dripping onto the yeah. carpet and so there are problems with intention i understand why it's not yeah, it's not the preferred, and I don't, I wouldn't give permission, but I think for the priest can celebrate him. Um, what about, uh, did you find that, the, and maybe we could just touch on this, and then we'll, we'll take a break and come back. What, as a pastor of a parish with a school and a number of Christians, what was the one thing you felt really restrained during this time? Restrained? Restrained, like strained, to, tested people's... Uh, faith tested the resolve, caused undue anxiety. Is well, the isolation or again, I I think the isolation for some people, and that's still the case. Of course, there are those who are still not feeling comfortable to come back into public, which we completely understand, and do whatever they would like us to do to help meet their needs spiritually. But um, again, I feel quite blessed where I am, and that I think people have been pretty much at peace and calm doing things, even within, as we deal with the different restrictions, as we go with, hey, we all are gonna wear masks and, and uh, that's for the health and safety of one another and care for one another. The 
twice in a year and three months have we had somebody be belligerent and mm -hmm. about wearing a mask and masks, and they were both visitors. Mm -hmm. Our parishioners, this is what we do. Okay, it's this is what we have to do to come to mass. We'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, the distancing, everybody's fine with. They just deal with it. Um, we just put our missiles back in the pew, or we never even bought them. We were very happy because the company, because we'd gone so many months and people didn't have them, they offered it, them to us at sixty percent off. Because we're only going to use them for sure part of the year. So perfect. So we bought some and put them out, and people were glad to have those back in their hands, to, so they could have something to read while the homily was going on. You know, <laughs> But uh, again, very blessed. It's I just given what could be mm -hmm. in terms of how people are and how people act. The parishioners at the parish I serve have just been really wonderful and blessed and, and calm with everything. And they and perhaps that's kind of impacted by the the top myself as pastor and our staff. And that we don't do anything ever that reeks of political partisanship. Mm -hmm. So people know they come to St. Thomas More. They're not going to hear all that damn governor and da da da. Um, and, and they're just making us do this and da, da, da. and we don't none of that ever comes out of anybody's mouth or in any block notes or messages in the, in the bulletin it's just hey this is what we're doing to take care of each other it's not that big a sacrifice let's do it and so we can come together and praise God and worship God and this is what we need to do we'll do it and, and as things get as things get changed we'll make the adjustments in the best way possible and we're going to take a break I'm talking to Father Pat Kirst the vicar of priests for the Diocese of Spokane and Pastor St. Thomas More. Bishop Daly from the Diocese of Spokane. I'm talking to Father Pat Kirst, the pastor of St. Thomas More and the vicar or priest for our diocese. Before the break, um, we were talking about how things were uh, modified, accommodated during the COVID and now as we leave, fortunately, the majority of those restrictions behind. Um, I was asking at the break to Father Kirst, what, um, during this period of time when we were without personal contact uh, during those 10 weeks and then restrictions, smaller communities. How did you handle um, some people at outdoor masses? You didn't have that, did you? We didn't do any outdoor masses. Yeah. And, uh, when we were allowed to begin having mass again the end of May last year, mm -hmm. I observed a 50-person capacity mm -hmm. and the distancing and masking and so forth. We did have the luxury of having another priest available to us most Sunday mornings who would be available to have mass in another space that we had set up to have masses going on concurrently. We only had to do that three times, I think, in, during those 10 weeks. So you know, as awful as to say, God was taking care of us by only bringing that many people mm -hmm. to the church. And we weren't taking names, reservations. We just opened the doors and say, whoever comes, we're going to accommodate them some one way or another. So that worked all very well. And then as things increased, we you know, could open up more space and, and allow more people in and again everything has worked out fine we've never in the whole time had to tell somebody they couldn't come in the building because we're full mm -hmm. and we've always been able by the grace of god to accommodate everybody with proper distancing and, and so yeah i've been very fortunate i think i know that's kind of a luxury not every parish is, is able to do that but uh, um, no the hard the hard time was when they, we were shut down altogether and how to communicate with people and mm -hmm. i was commenting about uh you know I, i'm aware of parishes where they were very organized and having all parishioners called every mm -hmm. every month or so. Like, how you doing? What can we do for you? We weren't quite that organized. We kind of, again, were late in the game and, and we're a little intimidated by the length of our parish list. Mm -hmm. so, you know, we're going to call 1,300 people and and, uh, and there's four of us working here in the office, but we got a, a group of uh, our home visiting people, our mm -hmm. communion ministers, 
and we kind of broke up the list and selected people that uh, we really hadn't seen or, or mm-hmm. heard from just to reach out to them and see how they're doing. So we really did pick and choose out of the list. So we weren't trying to call 1,300 households. We were we narrowed it down to about 100. And okay. we had a group of, of people who would call and check in on people and just make sure they're okay and what can we do for you. So that, but again, we were kind of late in the game on that, but pretty humbly at, at, admired some other parishes who were very much in the game on that, reaching out to people and, and doing all these different kinds of videos and sending them out to people about kind of fun things. And uh, Those of the audience may not know that Father Curse, by and large, is the celebrant on the televised mass that pre-COVID uh, for hospital shut-ins and people can watch on cable, I suppose. Channel 14. And what time is it on? It's on Sundays at 7 a.m., 12 noon, and 6 p.m. And one out of three weeks, they actually show the right mass. So <laughs> this, this last Sunday, they showed the mass from two Sundays ago. So oh, did they? Which was, which was ahead of a uh, step up from the week before when they showed a mass, but they didn't have any sound. So uh, Okay. Um, and you <laughs> told me, wasn't it that the Easter mass was um, was actually uh, a second Sunday of Advent? Something like yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so... But anyway, that shows on a loop at Sacred Heart Hospital mm-hmm. all the time, but then it's also on that cable station. So you were doing televised masses. Uh, I only do the Christmas and the Easter one, but you were doing it beforehand. Um, and I know that people, uh, one of the things about the televised mass of the live stream, and this is from what I would call faithful Catholics, and I mentioned this at the, the our priests, uh, the gathering, the chrism mass, that people got became very accustomed to... Um, listening to Cardinal Dolan, for example. Right. They like Cardinal Dolan's very succinct homilies. They like the music that they saw in another cathedral, uh, uh, perhaps in Milwaukee. Right. And uh, and then they went back to their old parish, and they f- saw Louise and her uh, accordion, <laughs> and uh, Father and his uh, homily that he gave seven years ago. Uh, so it, it, in one sense, it made us think um, nothing can replace in-person sacramental experience right. well, um, and we have to keep that up to our people now on the other hand what we learned i think uh is that judging by calls that came into the chancery that certain people um now thought well geez why is my parish the way it is why can't i do this but we have to really tell our people you can't uh do this virtually you can't have a virtual relationship with the lord long term this was a moment and of a crisis, we responded, but it's back to being person. I couldn't agree more. And and the people that do say things to me are so appreciative of being able to come back to Mass mm-hmm. and feeling comfortable doing that and safe doing that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they appreciated what was available to them online or on television, but does it replace coming together as family of God and praising Him and receiving the sacraments? No. It's, it's, there were, and the, the music, uh, people were, um, again... Uh, we're fortunate here in Eastern Washington that it wasn't one set of rules for the entire diocese. Certain people, rural communities where uh, they were almost essentially the same seven households were able to have that. But um, with the cathedral, of course, um, uh, bigger churches, there was that luxury with the restrictions. Um, What have you seen? Let's talk about uh, marriages. And I know myself, uh, I had a couple of weddings of former students that had to be rescheduled. And one just said, look, I want to have a, we've had it, we're going to get it. And there were 14 people at a wedding. Mm-hmm. And um, other people changed it, um, depending upon out of town, what it was. I gave 
this time and this time only outdoor uh, wedding permission because we were trying to accommodate um, families who were planning this and uh, we worked. But have you found anything, how, are weddings uh, picking up at all? Uh, yeah. Gradually, and, yeah. and as things have gone in St. Thomas More Parish, where there used to be a lot of weddings mm -hmm. uh, in the not too distant future, but in recent years, uh, we don't have a lot three, four, five a year, maybe a couple mm -hmm. of convalidations along with that. So during this, this time of pandemic, there were, there were two couples who actually postponed the date of their wedding to be able to have a, a fuller experience, and, and we've already done both of those. So because when they knew they could only have 10 people or mm -hmm. could have 30 people, well, they wanted a little more than that. So, so they waited, and we were able to accommodate that and get, have the weddings done. And... Um, but yeah, and we only have a couple left on our calendar for the whole year. I, I, I too did a couple of weddings during the time when the people decided, well, we're going to cut out all the extraneous stuff. We just want to get married in the church. And so mm -hmm. they had a service, a, a ceremony with eight people, mm -hmm. you know, nine people. And that, that it wasn't what they dreamed of, but it got, got them married in the church and they were happy with that. I know I've heard from couples that who are planning, uh, who weren't scheduled, but became engaged, let's say, in the last couple of months. And they're telling now that uh, the demand um, for um, uh, facilities for a reception, um, uh, dealing with caterers, it's almost as lucrative now. Uh, and it is the um, the um, wedding coordinators market. It's almost like trying to find a rental car in Hawaii. I told <laughs> that uh, that you're going to pay a lot more for a venue uh, than you would before. Okay, weddings can be uh, postponed within reason. Did you find that um, during the time that of COVID, especially in those times of great uh, uncertainty and, and separate families that had funerals, that lost yeah. one, what can you talk about as a pastor? How did you, that how did you a, reach out, Pat? To that was that? a difficult thing as well. And with the time we couldn't even have a funeral mass in the church, mm -hmm. we could do a funeral mass in the cemetery if we could work it out logistically. And I, I never was called upon to do one of those, but I did do those funerals given the restrictions with eight people at the graveside and, and obviously again that's not the most consoling thing for a family and there's a little bitterness around that and, but and then with the whole trauma of having lost somebody anyway piled onto that it, those are difficult experiences but um, we did have those who have waited a year and a half to have a funeral I had mm -hmm. one two weeks ago that the gentleman died last July and we just had the funeral mass and mm -hmm. he still had his remains and so so that's a weird thing to do in terms of the, the place of the liturgy within the grieving process. You know, people are coming to the funeral and can't remember what the guy looked like that died. You know, and they, yeah. Which one was he again? But, uh, but it was consoling for the family and they got to have a funeral mass and were willing to postpone a year to have the mass so that they could have enough, even just family accommodated, for big families and so on. Well, of course, we, you know, one of the things too about the delay is you know, Uncle Leo passes away and, you know, five days later is the funeral. Well, now Uncle Leo's been dead for over a year and the uh, relatives know that Uncle Leo left them out of the will. So <laughs> that's going to probably create a little bit of a dynamic there. Um, as we're kind of coming to the conclusion of our, our show, um, Father Pat, Chris, as I mentioned, is vicar of priests. What, do you, what have you seen, Pat, uh, talking to priests? I mean, it's one thing as, as the bishop when I talk to him and it's almost at times, even though it's a, a brotherly role that can be fatherly, but sometimes it's the boss and the employees. Mm -hmm. What have you found uh, generally the spirit of the priests 
as we pulled out of this? What have you found in your conversations with, you know, variety number of priests of different ages? The ones I've spoken with, I, I think they're, again, pretty appreciative for how God's been working among us through this difficult time. Uh, some, I think, come across as more kind of anxious to pretend the pandemic never happened and just say, well, we're back to what it was in February 2020. Mm -hmm. um, others take a more measured approach and want to enter more gradually to help people be comfortable and, and safe in coming back. But I think the priest attitude is is really gratitude to God for getting to, to do what we are ordained to do and mm -hmm. what we feel called to do because it's, you know, we kind of had our hands tied a little bit through the last several months and all over a year to, in terms of what we do as priests and even in terms of getting into hospitals to anoint people, sometimes that's been a challenge. As I know. <laughs> as you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think priests are very sure. grateful and and, uh, and appreciative of how their people have, have been along with them on this journey and, and doing what we can as well as we can. And, and uh, you know, even, I mean, we're still in the midst of some of it, as you know. And so, again, taking that same attitude, do what we can as well as we can and turn it over to God and be grateful for the chance to come and praise God and celebrate sacraments and, well, as, uh, as Father Chris said, we had our chrism mass in March. It had been almost a year of the time that we hadn't really gathered together to pray because we didn't have a chrism mass in 2020. But we had one then, and we had the ordination of the transitional deacon, Andy O'Leary, and we came together. The priests of the diocese, we have a, a retreat, which will be the first retreat really we've had, I think, three years because of between COVID and alternating uh, years when it's optional and the priest does it something individual on his own. So... In any case, I want to thank Father Pat Kirst for being on our radio show and for his uh, many, um, many, many um, endeavors as, uh, uh, as a priest, as a pastor, and as a vicar. And thank you, Pat. And, thank you, uh, And we thank the parishioners. Oh, we, next time we'll have to talk about St. Thomas More School, one of the oh, great yeah. schools we have. Right. Okay. That's, God what bless. They, that's what they say. Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Spokane. Walking to Faith is produced and edited by Mitchell Palmquist. It can be heard on Sacred Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcasting apps.